y'all. It's time for Rolling Dice and Taking Names. This episode features reviews of Tila Toon, Pirates, which is the latest Nirishima Hex Army, a five-minute initiative from Tony and Donna on a murder mystery game, plus highlights of other games and the typical RDTN shenanigans. It's the shenanigans you need to worry about. Hello and welcome to episode number 270. Hey, how's it going? Well, it's going pretty good. I mean, we just survived a hurricane here in Charlotte. By yeah, the way, yay. Hurricane. Yay. Hey, I almost called this Rocky like a hurricane, but I said, you know what? I'm not doing that. It's too there. It's too. It's too on the nose. Too on the nose. I'm going to call this heart and soul. Okay. I'm Tony. I'm Marty. And this is rolling dice and taking names. As if you didn't know within the first 30 seconds of the show. Got to hit them a couple times. Got to keep reminding them. Oh, my heavens. What a week. I don't know about you. We had board game night, and I was sitting there talking doom and gloom, and this hurricane did not do what it was said it was going to do. Imagine that. not in North Carolina. They got it pretty hard in Florida. They did. I feel for it. Our crews um, were down there and seeing some of the pictures come back. Uh, you know, you see it on the news, right? All the all the pictures coming in. But then when you see it on the ground, it's just, I, f- I feel for the people in Florida. I mean, those things, You how, how do you say this without being more? They're impressive as all get out. But man, they're destructive. As a weather system, 100%, they are impressive. And yes, they are super destructive. So where's it going to go? So, you know, we started with all of our forecasting. Oh, it's going to go in at Tallahassee. Oh, wait, it's moving down the coast. Maybe it couldn't get a hotel in Tallahassee. I don't know. But it decided. Maybe not. But, hey, finally, the meetings have stopped. It's going to be a better week for the old emergency preparedness guy here. And I'm ready to get to some gaming. Uh, you track it more than I do because of your your position, but it's been kind of a light hurricane season so far, hasn't it? Yes, it has been a very light hurricane. That was him knocking on wood. I mean, there's one out there right now. It's going to be a um, a depression here soon. So, yes, uh, my news feeds all come in. I'm always watching for that one little graphic that has the either the yellow X or the orange X or the red X. I'm like, okay, what's it going to do? When does the hurricane season officially end? Sometime in November? End of November, yeah. End of November. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's been it's been pretty, thankfully, very light so far, which is very nice. How do you know when it's football season? And it is not by the fact that all these people are playing NFL football. It's when Bojangles gets Bowberry biscuits in the shape of footballs. Ah, okay, okay. And everybody has food in the shape of footballs. Yes. Uh, this is when you'd start walking to your, our local grocer is Harris Teeter. And up front, they always have, basically on the weekends, if it's a Panthers game, they'll have football-shaped cookies decorated with Panther stuff on it and everything. Uh, and Krispy Kreme, you know, they've got the stuff-filled Bavarian cream one shaped in the size of football with chocolate on top of it and the white icing down it with the little stripes. And Bojangles comes out with their special tailgate box. Mm-hmm. So if you didn't know, based on the TV and people playing and hearing about it constantly on your local news, if you have a sports team near you, it's definitely when it comes time with the food. And you're right. I've completely forgot. Harris Teeter, you're inundated. Everything has our local team's logo on it. The beer, the cookies, the chips. Everything has our local team. Mm -hmm. You don't have to put their logos on it. We're going to buy the chips. We're going to buy the tailgate food. (laughs) 
That's true. It's it's for homers, though, that want to support their, their local team. Of course, the way the Panthers are playing right now, I, I'm not sure many people supporting them right now. I know Donna gave up on the game, and I has already turned it. So we're recording on a Sunday night, and she's like, I am done with this. And I'm like, okay. Oh, yeah. I've been done with football. Last night, we had a big game. Our college alma mater had a big game, and it's like after that, I'm kind of – I'm kind of done. And then Panthers play. It's like, oh, I'm really done now. Mm-hmm. So, but I can still get Bowberry biscuits in the shape of footballs. That's nice. That's what I really, and they don't even have to cover it with chocolate. They just, they just say, listen, we're going to just make this biscuit in the shape of a football. What do you mean cover it with chocolate? They've never covered it with chocolate. I know. That's what I'm saying. But where Krispy Kreme smothered in chocolate, so it's brown, so it looks like a football. When's the last time I had a Bowberry biscuit? You guys came over and somebody. Um, Bert. Bart brought some, didn't he? Was it a bowberry, though, or was mm-hmm. it the cinnamon? No, he bought the cinnamon. He brought cinnamon. Yeah. That had a bowberry brisket. Well, those are good. Those are very good. All of it is good. Well, it's Bojangles. What can we say? It's always going to be good. Hey, do you uh, you see me sitting in something new over here? Oh, my gosh. Nice segue. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> well, we had to get away from the football talk. I've been trying. I was waiting for it. And yeah, you might as well just say, hey, look at my new chair. <laughs> About a month or so ago, Ewen who makes uh, gaming chairs, and we've had uh, been using our gaming chairs, what, three years? Something like that? Sure. It's, it's, been, it's been three-ish years. Uh, okay. And uh, we have a, a code with them where you can get like 30% off your, your order and everything like that. Well, And, and wait, we, wait, don't go. A, we have a code with them. You can get 30% off. Are you going to hang the people out to dry here, or you want to go ahead and tell them the code? Oh, should I tell them that the code's RDTN? Yeah, I would go with RDTN, yes. And if you click on our webpage, you can get the affiliate link. We really need to post that on the Facebook page and make it easier for people to go to. Yeah, we should. We should. Uh, but anyway, so they have a brand new cloth chair. And the ones that we have now, I guess it's faux leather, or the ones that we have. Vinyl. 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 It's not faux leather. It's, it's more vinyl, which are super nice chairs. Uh, mine, mine hasn't worn out at all. There's no rips. There's no tears. Uh, nothing in it. But anyway, mm-hmm. they they had this new chair and they said, hey, uh, we want to send you guys one uh, to check out. So they have a couple different colors. They have a light gray. They have a dark gray. And a, uh, they, have a pink. they have a, a pink. They have a pink one. They have a do a pink and white one um, also. So I got this yesterday. So I just wanted to share a little bit about it. I, I got it put together in like 30 minutes. So it was very easy to put together. The only thing is, is there, they have one instructions that covers every single chair. Mm-hmm. No, that's, that's incorrect. They have one set of generic instructions and your chair may not be the one that's featured in the instructions. It's Ikea. That's it. You know, that's what Ikea does. Well, it's, but some of it doesn't, didn't even fit for this chair. Like there's one of the instructions, like take a plate off the bottom of the chair. This chair didn't come with a plate. Ooh. Well, how does it attach to the base? Uh, it just screws directly into the base. The, Interesting. You don't, yeah, there's not the plate that you take off to screw to the uh, uh-huh. the, the mount that goes up and down. Instead, it just gets screwed straight to the bottom of the chair. Man. So, so it's kind of, it's, as I was reading the instructions, like, all right, so I kind of changed this, changed that there because it's not exactly the same. Regardless, got it to, uh, pretty simple. Got it together in 30 minutes. Uh, super easy. Barely an inconvenience. Yep. And uh, so I got it all set up. Now, here's what's interesting, Tony. The chairs that we had before that you have, I had. It is a 100% gaming chair. It's like a cockpit chair. You know, it's one of those that's designed like you're in a fighter pilot, right? You've got the hip huggers onto the side. Mm-hmm. The sides of the chair come up, kind of holds you in there and everything. It looks like a, a cockpit uh, chair. This looks more like a regular office chair. 
Mm. So the sides don't come up on the on the sides to hug your hips. It's a wider base and it's a longer seat. What are you <laughs> laughing at? It's all about the base. So yep, it is. And it's a longer seat because with the other chair, the edge of the seat wouldn't come up to my knees or go out to my knees. This one does. Mm, okay. So it's uh it is cloth, which is nice because you said sometimes you get was it swamp butt? That's the nice way to say it. Yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> From sitting in a vinyl chair when in the summertime when it gets hot and everything, uh, this probably won't have that same thing. It's not. I know a lot of people who have used the chairs before that said if you're wearing shorts or something, you know, typical thing with a vinyl, it may stick and you got to kind of readjust your legs. Uh, obviously, that's not going to happen with the cloth cloth chair, which is why we were super excited to get it. So. The only bad thing I have about this chair is that the backrest, which I use all the time, a lower lumbar back support, doesn't attach to the chair. So your lumbar pillow does not attach? No. So the one that you had and the other one that I had uh, had these elastic straps that go up and around behind the headrest to hold Mm -hmm. it in place on the back of the chair. This doesn't have that because there's no holes in the, uh, the neck area of the chair to put the straps but I'm surprised it doesn't have straps that go that go around horizontally around the back of the uh, backrest, but it doesn't. So I'm I'm unsure about this because when I get up, the pillow falls, mm-hmm. and so it's just I don't know. That's the only I I may go out and buy a third party backrest to uh, to wrap on the back. But other than that, it is super nice. It's a tad wider. It, it really is. A, I think for tall people, a tall, uh, bigger people, they're really gonna like this chair. Because it just makes them feel more comfortable. Yeah, I was looking at the specs when you told me that you were getting that and said, go out there and get yourself one, use our coupon code. And I said, okay, I'll make that happen. And um, for me, I I enjoy my chair a lot. It's very comfortable. And I do not use those pillows at all. But Mm -hmm. then again, I'm also six, two and a half. So I don't need that support in the back, even though I am older, which I'll tell you a little story later. So, but yes, it looks comfy. I'm, I'm, I'm excited. I can't wait for it to get finalized my order and get one as well, because I know my daughter has expressed an interest in this chair. Mm -hmm. So for her um, fiance, so that he can have it for his gaming chair and she has barely any furniture. So that's fine. I'm like, okay, sure. I can take this apart. I like the fact that you don't have to put in 20 hex bolts underneath for the plate. I know that's an exaggeration, but man, those Allen wrenches suck. So on this one, the number of Allen wrench screw type screws I had to put in were one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Ten. That's it. So four underneath on the plate, two on each side of the back, and then there's a little cover, a little plastic cover that's another one. And it, it they went in no problem. They do give you the tools and everything. Again, I love my other chair. Uh, the one I had been using, no issues with it whatsoever. I gave it to my son for him to use in his uh, apartment uh, gaming chair. Here's here's the thing. He had bought a gaming chair. We got him one several years ago. It was like $125. He's probably had it four years. It was slap worn out. Mm. The foam was showing. The vinyl had pulled away. We've had this chair, other chair, three years, no issue whatsoever. That chair that I had before is like around $199 with our discount code 30% off. That would make it sixty dollars off. Is that the is the twenty times it? three? Very good. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, sixty bucks off. Which take it down to one forty. When you compare that piece of junk that we got him before four years ago for one twenty five, you can get this chair for one hundred and forty. 
and it's way better. Now this one here is a little on the higher end because it is the the base is super heavy. It's heavy aluminum. The wheels are real nice. Uh, it's it's a different type of foam. The foam is uh, denser. It, it has more of a memory type foam, even more more of a memory type foam. It's three hundred sixty nine dollars. But again, with our code RDTN. You can get 30% off that. So I, can I do the math real quick on that one? While you do the math, I'm going to ask you a question. If it doesn't, does it have the Star Trek armrest? I like that where they go in and out. Yes. Okay. Yes, it does. It, the, the armrests go forward, back, left, right, and tilt in and out. Whoa, I forgot about the forward and back. Sweet. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's nice. Well, that's nice. That's so nice 30% there. off will take you down to 259 Ooh, And free shipping. Free shipping on all orders within the contiguous U.S. There you go. Guaranteed ship out by next business day. And a lot of people on our Discord channel have bought these chairs. They really enjoyed them. Uh, this chair for $259 is a good deal, and you won't find it any cheaper. For example, uh, they currently have this fall sale where anything $359 and over, they give you a code for 20% off. Ours is 30% off. And they keep telling us over and over again, you guys have the max discount code only a few people have it you're one of the ones that have it so if you're listening now and you need a new chair or you're thinking about hey i need a, a christmas gift there you go hey that well oh, it's a perfect christmas gift for yourself 100 mm-hmm. yeah for yourself or your kids or anybody that needs a gaming chair and again this is more like an office style chair but it's going to go as it's all it's comfortable enough to sit in for hours 100 mm-hmm. see and i had to my office is being renovated, so I had to come back home for for work, and I I stole this chair from Donna, mm-hmm. so so I need to um, get her one. But I'm uh, she well, she has a problem. She's she's on the shorter side, so her legs kind of dangle. Mm. So I'm afraid that that's going to be a problem for short people. I think this will be this chair will be a problem mm. just because the seat is very long, very long or okay. longer. Yeah. You know, that was the hardest thing for us to do was to buy a couch. Mm, for both of y'all, because she's, she's shorter and you're taller. Yeah, I can understand that. Yeah, because where was the back cushion? Because she'd pick this one. She'd go, oh, this feels nice. And I'd sit in it and I would have, my legs would be way out there. And I'm like, no. this." <laughs> and, then, and then you find something comfortable for her and her legs are sticking straight out. <laughs> for me, yeah. And then yeah. hers are sticking. <laughs> she's like, my knees don't bend. And I go, <laughs> I'm like, Okay, we've got a problem here. I don't know what it is. So that's why we settled on a couch, which oh, it's probably one of our worst decisions. That was had two recliners to it on it. Mm-hmm. Thing is a heavy, heavy beast. Yeah, yeah. Our, mean, ours has that too. It is a beast. So, but oh well, I'm glad that you were able to get it. Sounds like they're able to get these into you fairly quick with shipping going out. Mm-hmm. But you know what I'm going to do now? I'm going to break from our show notes and I'm going to tell you something I got to do. And I will be posting a video of this just because I can. Okay. It'll be a very short one minute video. I promise I will do this. I know I always say I'll do a video, but here it is. So my mother's scooter, my mom has a scooter. It's a Mm -hmm. little red scooter. And when we were visiting her today, she goes, my scooter's not working properly. And I go, well, mom, that's because you never use it. And she goes, I know I don't like it. Nothing against my mom, but she cannot walk and chew gum at the same time. Mm. So she's not very coordinated. So she has like the throttle on the handle. And that is a problem. She doesn't know how to control it very well. Okay. 
So she says, you need to get out there and uh, your uncle's coming to take this thing. Make sure it's charged. Make sure it's running. So I go out, I charge it up and she goes, see if it's running. Okay. And I said, okay, sure. Donna went out with my phone and videotaped me or recorded me. Sorry, videotaped Lord. That fits perfect for this scooter. Me riding around my mom's neighborhood on her red scooter. Nice. Yeah. Real nice. I'm like, oh, you got to be kidding me. So, so, I'll so here's what you that. need to do. Yeah. Uh, take that. Benny Hill music. Speed, speed it. Yes. <laughs> speed it up about one and a half speed and put Benny Hill music behind it. <laughs> yes. That's what I am going to do. So I was like, this is kind of fun. So I'm driving around with the scooter. About tipped the darn thing over. I cranked it up to 11 and man, I was flying around the neighborhood. And Donna's like, we need to go. Would you stop? I'm like, I'm having a lot of fun here. Do I have to? Anyway, what else is on the show notes that I need to read and pay attention to instead of improving? Oh, oh, now I see that. Look at that. Speak of the daughter. I was up in D.C. visiting her. Speak of the daughter five minutes ago. Yeah. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And we did something I haven't done in a while. My wife decided she wanted to go take them to an escape room. Kiss my butt. Wow. Wow. Smile. Yeah, back at you, big boy. Wait till you, for those who just saw our, uh, saw last week our um, strong toy nominee one, there was a lot of smiling going on there. I don't want to hear it. That's true. Um, so we went to an escape room. And I have not, you've been to one recently. Last year. I thought you had gone. I, last year I went. Last year you did go? I haven't been one this year. Okay. Yeah. And it was called the Cyber Raccoon Escape Room in Falls Church in the um, Washington, D.C. area. Okay. And the theme was Western. Okay. There was four of us, and um, we, we won. We got, we got out of the room, but my fa- a couple of my favorite things was, well, the first thing was during the intro video that they played, okay, you're not really locked in the room. That's against the law. And they kept saying that. Because I'm like, I bet people are thinking that they're literally, they can't get out. But no, you can get out. And it was very well done. Very thematic. I was like, get out of town. I was having a lot of fun with this room. And we were able to solve the clues. I can tell by the expression on your face. I'm thinking back through it. Okay. And nobody else can see this expression. This isn't one of our videos. Sure. And I was like, okay, I like how they did this. They had a they had a combination that had a three three numbers on it. Oh yeah, one of those three uh, number combinations. Yeah, yeah. If you keep patronizing me, I'm going to have to reach <laughs> through this computer and, and just slap the silly smirk off your face. <laughs> Sorry, I'm in a weird mood. Go ahead. Yeah, you are. Do you want? We can stop this recording and go home right now. <laughs> we'll turn this recording around right now if you don't shape up. All right. All right, all right, a combination with three numbers, got it. So we put the combination, they're magnetic, you put them against the um, bar, and boom, it opened right up. And Don's like, how did y'all do that? And Rebecca and I are like, luck. She goes, we could have been here forever. I'm like, no, it was only three numbers. And I'm like, if, you know, you could write it out, which all the combinations. If you go to four, that could have taken forever. And the thing that took us the most time was they had a safe getting the combination on the safe okay turn twice counterclockwise oh that's got, the worst yep and, and, and it took us 10 minutes to get into the combination was right it just took forever to get that thing to work 
Rotate clockwise, not all the way back around past the number that you just used. Yeah, I remember those. Yeah, and don't spin too far because then you got to start all over. That's right. Spin, 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 spin to reset it. I was like, oh, come on. It was it was a very well done. And when we talked to the lady afterwards, she talked about how they had it set up. When they first did it, they thought that it was perfect and it was taking people two hours to complete. Wow, that's too long. That's too long. So they backed it down and then it was taking people... 30 minutes. That's so too they, short. That's too short. So they had to balance <laughs> it. Yeah. It was kind of like that big bang theory where they were in the escape room and got out in like 10 and a half minutes or something. I was like, mm. okay, but they're building two more up there. And it was, it was, was it a good hour spent for that price? Sure. We were buying. Yeah, that's the thing. I love escape rooms, but it's ridiculously expensive. Twenty twenty five dollars per person, you know, Mm-hmm. that's a lot of money for one hour per person, but that's why I rarely do it. When I do it, I have a fantastic time doing it. If you get the right people. So I do love escape rooms. Uh, you know, speaking of puzzles, speaking of puzzles, a, Our, a, well, yes, we uh, were mm-hmm. uh, about a month ago. I went out to open one of my garage doors and the uh, motor was whirring, but the garage door wasn't moving. I went, Oh crap. Is the motor burned out or something? So I get a ladder and go up to the garage door opener and notice that uh, our garage door has a belt mm-hmm. uh, with teeth on it. And it, the back area where it goes up against uh, the motor with the gear uh, on it, the teeth had been stripped away from uh, the, it was just bare metal back there. So there was nothing for the belt to grab onto or the, the gear to grab onto. So I said, crap, I got to replace the belt. So I come in and go to Amazon and start looking for how much is this belt going to cost? Geez, $100. And then I get out the owner's manual to go, okay, which model is this? I noticed on the back, lifetime warranty on belts. Ooh. Went, oh, is this true? Because this was installed in 2004. And is the company still around? It, it's LiftMaster. Oh, okay. It was now owned by Chamberlain Group. So I got on their little website. There, uh, I went out to the Super Information Highway, went to www.chamberlaingroup.com and had an online chat with somebody and said, uh, you know, here's the door I have. Here's the model number. Is it still a lifetime replacement on belts? Oh, yeah, sure. Just tell us the height of your door and uh, we'll um, and give us an address and we'll send it to you. I said, sweet. So uh, they sent one out and I said, all right, okay, let me go watch a video. There's a YouTube video on everything. 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 I found the exact belt that I was using and they showed me exactly how to take the clips off the belt and, and the tips and tricks of setting the upper, the closed limit and the open limits, everything. So I said, okay, I think I could figure this out. So they set the belt and I get up there and I take the old one off and I start attaching the new one. I was like, something doesn't look right. The ends look different. And then I think, is this a different style? So I'm sitting there fodsing with it. I, I, I come to the realization, like, this ain't, this ain't right. This can't be right. So I contact him again and go, oh, we sent you the wrong belt model. Mm. I said, okay, well, can I get another one? He said, sure. So we'll send you another one out. Several days later, get one. I installed it in about 30 minutes. And I, uh, you open up the door and I set the limits uh, so that it, the opener doesn't hit the lights fixture when it goes all the way back and make sure it closes all the way when it goes down. Awesome. Two weeks later, go to open the other door. Whirr, and the door doesn't open. <laughs> so I go and check it. Sure enough, same thing. I said, okay, I know the process here. I get on. 
order a new belt, get the belt here. I said, I could do this. I don't even need to watch the YouTube video anymore. I figured it out. I get that belt on. I tighten the tensioners down on it. We're good. And I said, all right, now, first thing I need to do is open up the door all the way and adjust mm-hmm. the stop limit correctly. I hit open and the uh, the mechanism grabs the door to open it because I had unlatched it and it pulls and then stops and the the bar that uh, that that the door runs on mm-hmm. starts binding and bending. Ooh, well, okay, that's ooh. that's not good. About stop, stop, stop. That's not good. Uh, so I went the other direction, and so it starts going down, and it binds the other way. I went stop. Okay, number one. Uh, thank you, mechanical engineer, for correctly designing a t- tension sensor on this motor so that it will stop, and it did not totally break and bend and warp that bar. So I'm like, what is going on? I, I've done this. I did it on this one over here. So I, okay, I said, let me just try to monkey with the limits again. Open. And it grabs it and binds the bar again. I'm going, holy crap, what is going on? And so I'm, I said, you know what? I'm going to unlatch the door so I can open it manually. I get off the ladder, go to un- unlock the door manually, pull on it, doesn't open. I forgot I had latched the door into the frame so you couldn't open it. Ooh, okay. Okay. Pre-job brief. Uh, so the door was never going to open because it was mechanically locked. Mm-hmm. So anyway, it's like, oh, let me try this again. Oh, look, the door opens. Sweet. So anyway, hey, look, when you repair a garage door, <laughs> don't get too confident in yourself. You know, uh, make sure to go through every little step to make sure everything's correct. So why did you latch the door at all? So that's no uh, one- just, so, just because anybody could just come open the door in the middle of the night and come in the garage. Not if it's locked in with the... um. Even the opener is should Oh, that's that's true. No, you're right. You're right. It wouldn't. Yeah. Okay, that was stupid on my part. All right, I had unlatched it and I had unclipped it from the the motor. Uh, okay. Fixture and then latched it, but I didn't need to do that you're unless right. it was freewheeling. I mean, I can it was see. not freewheeling. Okay. All right. I mean, I I know I appreciate you taking the safety from the standpoint of I thought maybe you were you had latched it to while you were working on it. You know, somebody didn't come up and know that it was broken and just suddenly like lift it up and pop you in the back of the head with the, um, while you're on the ladder. Oh, that would have been bad too. That would have not worked. But boy, so I, was really go scratching my, I was really scratching my head when that bar was warping and bending. I'm going, I don't understand what is going. I knew it was binding somewhere and I cannot figure out where it was binding. It was down way on the door itself. So you're right. YouTube yeah. is, is, it's amazing. You can find anything and everything. Sometimes it's almost overload. Yep. I know that, you know, we, matter of fact, we learned to play a game we're going to be talking about later. And without that, we would have all been sitting there reading rules and things. I'm getting really lazy. I will say that. Yeah. We'll talk about that later too. How uh, YouTube videos are really good for, for, uh, for board games. Hey, speaking of board games, speaking of them, which is uh, what this podcast is all about. Vanessa and I played a game from WizKids called Yosemite. Uh, this is a two player game from, Designer uh, Tim Blank. This is about a twenty to thirty minute uh, game, and the idea is that you're you're basically trying to get pictures of animals in Yosemite Park, and you have a tableau of tiles that are put out on the table. They're just randomly dealt onto the table, and you've got a bear, a rattlesnake, a cougar, a black bear, a sheep, and a red fox tile. Each of you have one meeple, and on your turn, your goal is to collect these animals to go into your hand in order to do set collection because all of her off on the side of the board 
you're going to flip over this card that says, hey, if you happen to have two bears, a rattlesnake, and a cougar in your hand, discard those, claim this card, and you're going to get some points at the end of the game. The idea is like you're getting pictures. Remember in Pokemon Snap? Did you ever play that? Yes, I completed it. Yep. So you know you had to go around and take pictures of Pokemon. This is the idea you're taking pictures of animals, and there's certain types of pictures that you want. Hey, I want, like I said, a sheep, two bear, and a rattlesnake, and you can claim this victory point condition. So that's the whole goal of the game is to collect those pictures, get victory points. But what's cool is, is that when you take your turn, whatever animal you're on dictates the type of move you can take that turn. Mm -hmm. So for example, if you start your turn on a sheep, you can move any number of spaces in one direction. But if you're on like a rattlesnake, you can move one or two spaces. And if you land on your opponent, you can push them. Okay. One thing this thing didn't have was a player reference card. I wish it would have come with two player reference cards because each of us were keeping having to refer to the backup rule book to remember how the animals work. So I wish it would have had that. So really, that's it. On your turn, you're going to move whatever direction, the type of animal that you're on. When you move from it, you collect it. And then there's a bonus icon also on that you can collect. One thing you can collect footsteps. One cool mechanic is before your turn starts, if you have any footsteps, you can spend those steps to move your play or a piece orthogonally to get to a piece that you want to start from. Mm -hmm. So if I'm on a piece I'm not interested in, I can set my piece by spending footsteps to get over there to, to collect it. Uh, you can also, there's this thing called a camping site, which is like a tug of war. You've got this token that when you d uh, do a camping site, you move the token piece towards you. And at the end of the game, who's ever sighted on, they're going to get some victory points. But it is a really simple tile collection and set collection type game that plays really fast. Like I said, 20, 25 minutes and, and it's done. We enjoyed uh, playing through it. Okay. Well, as, hey, if you enjoyed playing it, then you did not waste time. It's well worth it. You know? Yeah. It's one. Yeah. Again, the only, the only bad thing was I just wish there'd have been two reference cards in there for uh, each of the person to have a hand. I mean, setup is really nothing. Uh, you just put all the tiles face down and then draw tiles, and put them on board. Oh, and obviously after you move and you pick up a tile, you take a tile off the, the tile deck and replace it with the tile that you just moved from. Okay. And basically you keep playing until uh, you go to refill the picture deck when you when somebody claims a picture to, to refill it from that deck when that deck is empty that triggers the end of the game that's it so really small box game it's one of those you can throw in your bag two players sitting around playing time doesn't take up a lot of table space and that's from WizKids. okay well while i was at my mother's not riding around on her scooter i decided normally we sit there we'll go and we'll play a card game mm -hmm. and that's usually five crowns and i said you know what i'm gonna try something different this time Okay, two questions. Yeah. Question number one. Did you yeah. ever read Highlights, the magazine? Oh, my gosh, yes. When I went to the doctor's office. You didn't have a subscription? No. I got a one-year subscription. Um, my parents got me a one-year subscription of that. And one of my favorite things to do was to do the find in the picture, yes. the hidden item. Yes, yes. I, I was getting ready to say, did you do those puzzles in the Highlight magazines? Absolutely. So I, I did those. My next question for you is, did you ever play any of the unlock games from Space Cow? Oh my gosh. I get these confused. Which one is it that's destructible and which one's non-destructible? Uh, unlock is non-destructible. Then I've played that one. We got unlock kids. Um, mm -hmm. You know, so Space Cow, uh, Asmodee sent us unlock kids. 
and we saw this at Gen Con, and this mm -hmm. is Unlock Kids Detective Stories. Yeah. And I, I'm like, okay, my mom's 80 plus years old. And I'm like, it says, you know, it's supposed to be good for kids six and up. Also good for elders, people, to help their cognitive abilities. Sure. We're going to get there, dude. Don't knock this stuff. You and I are getting there. We are approaching that. that uh, why, do, why do you think we're playing game, having game nights every week? I, I know. know. I know. And I was like, okay, let me give this a try. And the bit, one of my favorite things about this was no app required. Okay? Yep. The negative of this was we got some small cards for old people. But that's okay. But I said it was me, Donna, and my mom. And we were playing this. And they were like, well, what do we do? And I go, well, f well first off, there's a story. This hen's been stolen. Mm -hmm. Okay? And we've got to go find, help this farmer find the hen. And the first card, he's sitting there showing you a picture of his favorite hen. And there are various cards that have stars on them, which will help you with your in-game scoring to say, hey, how well did you do? Did you make it to the end? And if you did, did you get all these stars? If not, oh, that's okay. You can try again, see where you missed it. And on these cards, there's cards that you, you pull out of the deck and flip them over for your pictures. And also on these cards, there are some hidden numbers and you have to, and also there are cardboard tokens, chits, that when you discover those on the cards, you then line them up on the picture card that gives you a code key. And that code key tells you to go find more cards. Mm -hmm. And that advances the story. So having never played one of these, I found it very cool. Yes, it was not that hard. Sure. But I told Donna that we are going to play the hardest one in the box later. And I know that the community, the BGG community, is it's best with two. So I'm kind of interested from that standpoint. I think for if you have small kids, there's no reading other than the rules. So someone's got to be able to read the rules to help them identify, you know, hidden things, the process of elimination. Remember, this is our goal. What do we want to do? And I, I don't want to spoil any of the puzzles, but some of the puzzles were pretty, I mean, you're like, well, think about this. Doesn't that cat look like it needs this? Oh, yeah, it does. Oh, okay, there you go. So we, we managed that. There was no YouTube video. I didn't go, I didn't have YouTube, but they had a little tutorial of 13 cards on how to play the game. Mm -hmm. Straightforward, didn't have to worry about it. I was like, okay, this is, this is sweet. I don't, have to, I don't have to try to do hard teach or anything like that. So this was, you know, Unlock Kids, Detective Stories uh, from Space Cow. And I'm, Space I'm, Cowboys? No, Space Cow. Okay. Hey, straight off of the BGG page here, Space Cow, straight off the box. Space Cow. Did they change their name? Because they were in Space Cowboys forever. I don't know. I know of a Space Cowboys. So as we go out there and surf, because this is not $5 worthy. No, you're right. It says Space Cow. It says Space Cow. Mm -hmm. is, that, is Space Cow maybe the kids? It may be. Oh, here it is. It's a brand used by French publisher Space Cowboys for games intended for younger players. Ta-da, because Space Cowboys is the one that makes the Unlock series. And I mm -hmm. just looked it up. They make it have like 20 in that series of Unlock games. Right. So I, I think, you know, a lot of people, because they're not destructible, a lot of people sell these things off. Mm -hmm. I think I'm going to try to see if we can find one of the adult ones and yeah. give that a try. Yeah, and what I was confusing with, the ones that are destructible are Exit games Exit. from Cosmos. 
Okay. So it's unlock and exit. Those are the two big puzzle type series. Yeah. So we've been doing a lot. Of, so I've had escape rooms. I've got, I've had unlock for kids. And um, so we've gotten into a lot of these detective games lately. Mm-hmm. So, you know, never do know. You Hey, you might hear more about one. So while I am yearning for more unlock. So. so. Okay. I so it's so, it's so funny that uh, every man. So you cut so many of those out. See, I so, do. I do, and I'll and and I'm going to talk about this, and you won't hear any shows previously because I cut them all out. Who was I think it was Suzanne that says she can't stand it when somebody starts a sentence with "so" because it's not needed, and that stuck in my head, and now I try to pull out every so, and not because of her, because it's like you're right, it does, it's it's a it's like uh, so's mm. almost like uh, <laughs> it's like I need something to say, so I need to not use it uh, you're right i mean it's but my gosh man i'm old i've been doing I know, it it's forever. hard it's hard don't worry i i edit them out i know i, I appreciate you I editing them out yeah. you know maybe that could be a prize for someone you should leave them in but then we would have to count them oh yeah and see here's the bad part after a while now that i've said that you it becomes annoying when you mm-hmm. hear somebody use it over and over again anyway so, so like now <laughs> All right. All right. Talking about the game, wanting to get more unlocked. Speaking of wanting a little bit more. What are you talking about? Mosaic. Okay, I didn't know that. I know. Mosaic has a new Kickstarter. This is for... um, Forbidden Games? Forbidden Games. Mm -hmm. I I always want to do Forbidden Island. Yeah. Forbidden Games. I know. Forbidden Games. They have they have a new Kickstarter. So if you missed out on Mosaic, they ha- they have it out again. So you can you can go ahead and get the Colossal Edition. And that beast is colossal. Mm-hmm. We played it at Gen Con. Mm-hmm. That is huge. Mm-hmm. We're we're trying to get it on the table here again, but you need some time. We need yeah, some time. And and we can't play at McAllister's. It's too big for McAllister's. It's way too big for McAllister's. We would be we would have pieces everywhere, yeah. everywhere. But with the expansion. Now mm-hmm. I've played it a couple of times and the one the expansion thing expansion or the base no, game, the base game. Sorry. Okay. One thing that I need this game to do is have a little bit more in your faceness. I agree. And that was my knock on the game. It's like, this game is kind of like a sieve style game. And I'm so, and, and you've got actually wore your pieces on the board, but they're not involved in any really combat. It really just adds to your strength for area control. Mm-hmm. And, and every nation can have one, you yeah. know? So, so you've got asymmetric powers with the nation you're in. And I know from some of the cards and some of the, um, we've, we've seen the pre-rules and I know like you can have, uh, Oh, remove that person's boats mm-hmm. remove or, or remove their units. And I'm like that you need that to help the control. You know, 100%. you gotta uh, be in lo- the face. And people who don't like that, you don't need the expansion. But for me, the fill of the game needs more of that little, yeah, yeah, more player direct interaction. Like my guys are coming after your guys and wiping guys off the board. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I think it will help the game with some of the issues I had with the scoring. Mm, okay. Because it was just, it was just control. Yeah. And I think that you can affect that. And without having to worry about, oh, I got to put more pieces on it because then it becomes a resource slog of, I got to generate a lot more resources so I can put these pieces out. And I think this will be, oh, I don't need those resources because bam, those units are gone. Yeah, exactly. So instead of 
Uh, I've got to get more resources to put more forces on the board. Here's something I can do to reduce the number of forces you have. And I'll, oh, look, all of a sudden, I have the most forces in that area. Hmm. Oh, and we got a scoring coming up. What are you going to do about that big boy? I'm going to pull a disaster card on you is what's going to happen. So that's the other thing they're adding to the game. Disaster cards. Mm-hmm. These are events that are in the decks that they're kind of like Empire scoring. However, where events are random, you'll know the exact order that these disasters are coming. Now, I, ha- I haven't seen them, but I could see where they could put it like, oh, Pompeii is starting to spew a little. Okay. Okay. Because we're in that area. Mm-hmm. You know, if I was designing the game, Pompeii's throwing a little ash. Pompeii's getting a little rumbly. So you never do know. Oh, that means, oh, maybe around Pompeii, there's going to be an explosion. So it'll be interesting to see. I, so if you enjoyed Mosaic for the base game that it was, but you were like me, wanting a little bit more interaction, a little bit more challenge with other players, then this expansion is something you need to add. And, and like I said before, if you missed out the first time around, if you got to see it you know, in person at the Gen Con or somebody else has it, now you can go back and get the base game again along with the expansion. And the uh, Kickstarter, I believe, starts on October 13th. It does. I, I don't know any of the pricing or anything like that. Click on our uh, show notes. I'll have a link to their Kickstarter page in them so that you can definitely go straight there. And then when you do, just tell them that Tony and Marty sent you. Uh-huh. Wouldn't that be cool if on the Kickstarter you can say, who sent you? That, that would be cool. I, sure. I guess you do that in the comments, field. And is it, is it Kickstarter or one of the other crowdfunding? Kickstarter. I've already, been, I've already been on the page. Ah, the landing page or the, the landing project page. page. Mm-hmm. There you go. Yeah. That is Mosaics. The expansion. Did I, I don't even know if I mentioned the, the name of it. I forget what the name of it, but, but hey, Mosaic expansion, type it in there. Kickstarter. Guess what? Google will find it. It's amazing. It's amazing technology out there. Breaking news, Tony. We just got a press release from Renegade Games. This is a stunning piece of news to me because this seems to come out of the blue. Renegade Games is excited to announce that they are in negotiations to expand their licensing relationship with Hasbro. And just for those those who know, uh, Renegade Games puts out My Little Pony, G.I. Joe, and Transformers, all owned, owned by Hasbro. So they're going to expand the relationship to include Axis and Allies, Robo Rally, Diplomacy, and Squad Leader, which is basically Avalon Hill brand games. That just strikes me as odd, Tony, because I don't see Renegade as an historical game company. What? How is My Little Pony not historical? You know what I mean. I know what you mean. And yes, I agree with you. You you don't picture them, the family-oriented type games or the fun. I, whenever I think of Renegade, I think of the fun art. I really do. I mean, I think of, you know, the, we got My Little Pony, The Hunger, um, and some of the Clank, goes, the older Clank. Clank games. Yep. Yep. Um, and then, of course, they got the G.I. Joe and the Transformer deck building games. But I'm with you. I'm excited for this. I've always yeah. wanted to get Axis and Allies, but I know it's a long playing game. It's not. It depends on the scenario. Ah. Oh, so, so remember we played uh, Command and Conquer's Ancients? Mm-hmm. Axis and Allies is the same thing. It's just World War II. World War so, I mean, you already learned how to play. It okay. works the exact same way, except I hadn't got to put stickers on blocks. Well, that's important because it's all about the blocks. <laughs> My very first big box game, bookshelf game, when I was young, didn't know what I was buying at the time, was Panzer Leader. Now, I know oh. this is not, they're not doing Panzer, but you said Avalon Hill. When you first told me this, I was like, 
wait a minute, I'm going to be able to get Panzer Leader? I, they didn't list that one. I it does say the Avalon Hill brand remains under Hasbro, and Hasbro continues to publish other titles. Okay. So they didn't mention that specifically. Now, a lot of people are excited about Robo Rally. Uh, which is the old Richard Garfield game. Did you ever play that? No, I did not. And so I'm like, oh, okay, this will give me an opportunity, hopefully. Mm-hmm. Well, what's interesting is it's not just they're re-releasing. It says, will Renegade make new versions of these games or just reprint existing versions? Both. We have plans to introduce new games to the Axis and Allies line as well as other brands. Now, the one thing that sticks out to me, I've always wanted to try Squad Leader. You remember you were looking to buy those little clippers for the little mm-hmm. uh, little squares? Go buy some because that's what Squad Leader is. And that, Ooh. to me, was really out in left field for Renegade. Yeah. It's, kind of, it's interesting that they, they went with that. I, know, I mean, they're all those war games. But I, I guess out of all of those, I'm very excited for Robo Rally because I've never played it. And, and uh-huh. I was watching everybody was talking about it on the Twitverse. The Twitverse? I, yeah. That's the new name for it for me. Oh. <laughs> well, a lot of people are talking on our Discord channel about it, too. Oh. That seemed to be the one that created a lot of buzz also was our Discord channel. I, you know, I don't get to that till the weekend, so I need to hurry up and get over there. But so, yeah, so Diplomacy, I've never played Diplomacy. <laughs> I don't know that that game is for me. <laughs> I don't, yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I, th- I think I've played a game once online, and it is so backstabby. But for sure, Robo Rally, Axis and Allies, and especially Squad Leader, because I've never experienced experienced it so i'm excited to see uh renegade shine some light on these because i think this is especially access and allies and squad leader are very niche games so maybe shining a brighter spotlight on them will kind of uh bring them to the front so a lot of other people may experience them that's never experienced them before and take their skills and take the rule books that may be daunting to people figure out a way to bring them make them easier for people to get into and not be like, oh my gosh, look at that. Just like you feel when nothing bad against this, but we all do it. You, you're so excited for that GMT game and you open that rule. <laughs> and did you open the rule book? <laughs> and you're like, oh, oh good gosh. <laughs> it's, it's double columns, very few pictures. It's like, oh, and then you just kind of slowly close it. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing but, but, against GMT rule books. To be honest with you, if you read through it, they're very well written. There's just a lot to read through. It's just daunting. And you know, yeah. you know what? There's so much goodness there. So that's hopefully what Renegade Game will help us overcome that dauntedness. I know that's not a word, but that you're able to get those on the table. So yeah, I'm I'm with you. I'm excited. Can't wait to see them. Can't wait for them to see how they can breathe life. Hey, what's old is new. That's right. And one final thing is, because I think this was talked about too, and this is in the fact, the question came up, is Renegade taking over the Risk brand? No. Renegade will only be making versions of Risk set in the worlds of Power Rangers, Transformers, and G.I. Joe. So if you ever want to play Risk in those worlds, okay, why is it My Little Pony in there? Because that would be hilarious. A Risk My Little Pony would be amazing. Oh, risk. No, it's a happy place. I know there's bad people. That's what makes it so funny. That would be so funny. All right. So anyway, breaking news. It just came in, y'all. Renegade taking over some of the uh, Avalon Hill brand games. And these are going to start coming out in 2023. Guaranteed we'll play some of them here. Five-minute initiative begins in three, two, 
one. It's been a while since Donna, my lovely wife, has joined me on a discussion of a game we recently played, and she'll be back again soon because I have some other ones that I want her to talk about. But this one we're going to be talking about tonight is Murder Mystery Party, Case Files, Crime Investigation, Death by Chef's Knife from University Games. That was a mouthful, baby. Yes, I wouldn't want you to have to say it again. Murder Mystery Party Case Files, Crime Investigation, Death by Chef's Knife. The reason why I asked for this game, uh, it was sent to us by University Games, is because you and I have been enjoying a lot of Hallmark mysteries. (laughs) Are you really willing to admit that? Yes, I am. (laughs) Yes, you've gotten into a couple of them, but you know. They're a little simple for you. But a lot of them have been around the Culinary Institute, and I thought, oh, this is kind of neat. These games would be hopefully similar. Yes, this one took place in a restaurant. And in what city? Mm, I don't remember. New York, I think. Well, it says so right there on, on the case. case file. Yeah, we got a police report right here. And, and Lorenzo Ritelli bit the big one. Yes, he was the chef, I believe. He's done. He's over. What, what's the goal of the, this, sweetie? Um, to solve the mystery of the murder. It's a murder mystery. Thank you. And I appreciate you making it so obvious. And, but, but what was one of the neat things about this that when I first opened it up was it was like we were getting a actual case file. I know it's in the name, but I was not expecting getting a folder with a paper clip and a whole bunch of information in it. Yeah, that I, I actually really love the way they put this together because you feel like um, a group of detectives um, sitting down with, you know, the interviews with the um, suspects and witnesses, pictures of the what could be murder weapon, don't know that, other things that they collected at the scene. So it's really kind of cool the way they put this together and there were four of us playing we actually each took a couple of the interviews with um, the witnesses and the suspects and kind of read through them and then came back together and discussed it and they give you a a sheet where you can kind of keep track of notes of who was where and you know what motive they might have they should give you a big whiteboard right because isn't that how they do it on tv they have a big whiteboard or chalkboard or something well in every hallmark mystery i had they had those whiteboards to sit out and put pictures up and i think that would be a little cost prohibitive for someone to buy it. You should use your own. You're absolutely right. That's one of the biggest things I liked about it. I did not have to track anything on a board, move anything around. Nothing wrong with that. Because you and I have played um, from Portal, the detective series game. Do you remember? You remember those? Yes, I do. And one of the things is you're always entering stuff in a computer. Here, there was nothing to put into a computer except they recommend that you use a computer, use the internet. Yeah, but the other one, you were kind of solving puzzles along the way, weren't you? Yes, you were. You were trying to put it together, and then it would lead you to other suspects and your decisions. Yeah, this was more, I think, more like you were a police detective as opposed to those other ones. Did we win? Did we figure out who killed Lorenzo? We did. Kind of thought he was the obvious person that we picked. We thought it might be too obvious, so we kind of kept digging into it. Did solve it, and we were correct on our first choice, but we second-guessed ourselves. So I thought it was a little obvious but it was fun we all had a good time and we have another one to do kind of curious about how that's going to go over as well because it's another one of these murder mysteries love how they presented it love that you're sitting there looking at evidence files you're looking at witness statements or suspect statements i think there's a death certificate in it and a layout of the room 
So you're sitting there discussing among us. I don't know if we were detectives, but we were definitely, if we had been a jury, we would have been discussing this evidence as well. I don't think you mentioned it, but you used the um, your cell phone a little bit, too, to try and determine, like, could somebody have moved from point A to point B in the amount of time because they were seen here and then they were seen there? Could they go that distance in that amount of time? So kind of interesting because you could use technology with it, but you didn't have to. As with all these games, they're a one and done. You've solved it. But this is one that we can just pass off to friends of ours or whoever and say, hey, give this a shot. I would think if you are into these, I would definitely consider this. This is from University Games. Murder Mystery party case files crime investigation but death by chef's knife five minute initiative is complete all right essen just ended which means there's going to be a lot of pre-orders popping up on miniature market for those Essen games. And Tony, I just actually found this out from our good friend Danny Lowe over from Ashet. So come to find out, Miniature Market is the official partner for Ashet in the United States. So all their games, pre-order, they're gonna be carrying stuff, are now featured over at Miniature Market. So they have a lot of games because they represent a lot of different companies. They got a lot of games coming out at Essen. Uh, there's a lot of games that were we got to see a Gen Con that are just now becoming available. So if you want to find out about all the games that Ashet is bringing to the U.S., head over to miniaturemarket.com. Ole guacamole! Can't wait. The next game we are going to talk about is sponsored by Game Toppers. And Marty, nothing makes me happier than clearing the dishes from a table uh-huh. And going and getting a Game Toppers mat, scrolling it out, scrolling it, rolling it out. <laughs> scrolling, yeah. <laughs> and suddenly, boom, game's done. You know what? Because I've even scotch guarded them, I don't even have to clear the plates. I just, on top of it, let's just go with it. I know we tend to talk about Game Toppers a lot, the actual physical Game Topper, but the mats are fantastic. Some of the best mats out there, and he has so many different sizes to cover all different types of tables. So if you don't want to invest in a full Game Topper, go look at the mats. Oh yeah, I love the mats. They're thick, they're heavy, and you know, I didn't hear the clank of dice all night long it was, it was just <laughs> <Yeah>. so nice <laughs> so if you want to go check it out go to gametoppersllc.com now now tony for me there are some publishers that when they come out with a game i am super excited to play it because typically i like all the games they come out with and one of those is board and dice games now if you've been around for a while you know that they have a series of what's called t games these are heavier euro games and all of the games start with the letter T, like Tia Teawakan, uh, Tabanusi, Technu, and several others. <laughs> I'm not even going to try to go through all of them, Tony. Well, they have a new one, and we're going to pronounce it Tilatum. And the reason why we're pronouncing it that way, Tony, is because we went out and watched John from John Gets Games, and we watched his How to Play video. And we figured... If he's pronouncing it that way, either one, he's done the research to find out this is the way it's to be pronounced. And if not, we could have somebody else to blame for it being pronounced incorrectly. Also, he's a professional and we're a bunch of hacks. Correct. 
So okay. we're going to go with the professional of Tila Toom. Mm-hmm. And I was just going to say as an aside right now, Tony, I love learning how to play games from his videos because for heavier games with a lot of rules, I like seeing a rule in action. And as he tells you her rule, he plays the game. And to me, that's how I learn better mm-hmm. by seeing, being told and then seeing it actually performed. Same. He will be the go-to when it comes to these. I always enjoy, oh, great, he's got a video, and I'm able to look at that. Nothing against the rest of the people who, who do them because there are some great video makers on how to play. Heck yes. And But you're right. For these games, it's like I know that through each player's turn, he is going to demonstrate the actions, almost all possible actions yes. that, that are going to occur. And multiple times so that you can see them performed over and over and really learn them. Yes, I completely agree. John gets games. Enjoy his videos. But we're not here to talk about John. We're here to talk about Tila Toom. Tila Toom, designed by Simone Luciani and Danielle Tassini, uh, who has made several of these games like Tabanusi and Tech New. Now, Simone Luciani, Tony, you may remember from one of my favorite games. Ragusa. Lorenzo. Oh. El Magnifico. He's one of the designers on that. I thought you were going to say Ragusa, which was just recently on sale for $25. Ah, love that game. I'm going to have to give it another chance. See if there's so much still, still if there's my despise for that game. I'll have to give it a try again. Maybe, maybe I've grown after 10 years. I don't know. I doubt it. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> All right. So when we were at Gen Con, Ola was um, demonstrating this game to me. Mm-hmm. She is the uh, marketing person. I, I'm not sure of her title, but she uh, she's the one that reaches out to us and tells us about the new games mm-hmm. coming out. So she's she's going over this, and she had me at the first mechanic of the dice. Yeah, so... I just want to say, this, I, was, I, this is my favorite part of the game, so we'll go through all the parts and all that. No, no, this is. no I, I agree. I'm, I was just getting ready to say, to me... It's getting to the point with Euro games that the workings of the games are so samey mm-hmm. that what sticks out to me is on your on the person's turn, the how do you choose the action that you're getting ready to perform? The action selection mechanism, I think, is what makes the game stand out to me now. And this one's very unique. Yes. And I also want to point out on the rule book, you have to wait to page 10 to know how to play the game. So there is nine pages of prep, which I appreciate. Prep, you mean setup or, or what you mean? Yeah, uh, the setup. I'm sorry. All okay. the setup and the points and the components uh, and all that stuff. It's a lot. It's it is a lot. a lot of stuff. But they step you through it. Yeah. And that's good. So you can always go back and say, okay, where do I need to do? Because there's, there's some setup to this. Yeah, and, there is. Yeah. So, but overall, the game is five steps prep phase, action phase, king phase, fair phase, cleanup phase, rinse and repeat. Two more times. That's my kind of game. Yes. <laughs> and to be honest with you, the, the things that you do on your turn are really straightforward. I think the rule book, again, did a good job of teaching it. Uh, seeing it reinforced by John was really good, too. But again, how you start your turn, I think, is what the selling point is for us. So once you explain, when you start your turn, what are you going to do? So when you... well. One thing that's important is the preparation phase for the game is you are pulling dice from a bag and depending on the number of players, eight, 11, or 14, two, three, or four players, and they are going to be set up around the wheel, matching the, the number that's on the wheel. So if you have a three, 
you will place the threes near the three quadrant, and the dice are all well, different well, colors. It's not a quadrant because there's more than four. So what do you call that if there's six? I don't know. Sexton? Sexton? Sextant? Oh, Sex, is that right? Sexting? Sextant? 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 I'm making up words. If it's quadrant, is it a sextant? Because it's a circle broken up into six, six individual pieces or equal pieces. Uh, a trivial Pursuit piece, pie piece? It's a pie? Is there six categories in Trivial Pursuit? I don't know. I don't remember. I haven't played Trivial Pursuit in any way. So it's a circle broken up into six equal slices in each of the numbered one through six, and you put the matching die beside that mm -hmm. piece. And guess what? Those dice have different colors, and those colors indicate what resources they are. Get out of here. I know. I know. So there's like what? Uh, there's like a food, stone, gold. Iron. Iron. Yeah. You said stone. Wool. Wool. Yep. And so you, you got that going on for you. And guess what you're going to do with some resources, dude? Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. You know, typical Euro, right? You're right. going to spend resources to get things, and those things will get you victory points. Right. But again, that's not the really cool part about this because yeah. the the pips on those die, the, the whatever you put out there on the board randomly at the beginning of the turn, when you go to your turn, you're going to pick up one of those die. And whatever value it is, you're going to get that number of resources that matches the color of the die. You pick yes. up the gold die, whatever the pips are showing, you're going to pick up that many number, uh, number of gold, and then you're going to get a certain number of actions. Now, the combination between the resources you get and actions will always equal seven. So, for example, if I pick up a die showing a six, I'll get six resources and one action. If I pick up a die with three resources, I'll get four actions, etc. Action points. Action, action points to be spent on that one action for that section of the pie. And how many actions do you think there are for you to be able to pick from? Well, since you said there are six, you would think six, but there's not. There's really only five unique actions. There's only five. I know that the Joker lets you do any of the five, but you mm -hmm. cannot, But once you pick it, you can't swap in between. So we covered the Joker action. You can take a Joker action. Yes. Yeah. So if you take a Joker action, then you can pick one of the other five, but you can't mix and match inside the Joker. That's easy. That's pretty straightforward. What do you mean is, so if I get three action points from the Joker, it can only be applied to one action. Mm -hmm. Yep. Or a space cowboy. Or space cow for the kids. For the kids, right. Mm -hmm. So one of the probably simplest actions is the king action. And there's this track on the board. That mm -hmm. at the end of the round, depending on where you're on that track, will give you or take away from you victory points. So if you take the king action, your marker is going to move up on the king track. And at the end of the phase, whoever has the most gets a special bonus tile and is awarded the victory points or negative points, depending on where they are. That's the king action. That was pretty straightforward. It also determines player order. But that's a pretty important action. Yes, it is. Um, because the beginning of each turn within a round, you flip over a, a disc that shows how much everybody's pieces are going to move. And it's always negative. Mm -hmm. You're going to move zero, minus one, or minus two. And that's so, negative zero, people. Not positive zero. Negative <laughs> zero. Negative zero, positive, plus, plus minus zero. So what it is, is every round, your piece is always going to be sliding towards the negative side. 
Mm-hmm. And Tony, I said, it's kind of like you have to feed your people. Yes. If you don't pay attention to that marker, all of a sudden you're going to be at the very bottom of that track and getting negative 10 points every scoring phase. And and the max is you can get 15. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and I think it's so over three rounds, if you're sitting always at the top, you're always having to fight that to go back to the top. You know, that's 45 points in the game. That can make a difference. Yep. So that, that one's Joker's done. We've got the king action. That's pretty easy. Another easy action, I think, is the character action. And, and on the board, there's a, a whole bunch of characters, cast of characters out there. And you take a character, you place it on your tableau, and you only have four spots on your tableau where you may place characters and contracts. Um, we'll talk about contracts in a minute. Or you can move one of your characters in your storehouse onto a house. That's on your tableau, or you can wipe all the characters. What what he's what he's saying is, well, why don't you say it? If I'm saying no, it, no, no, well, well, no. Depending on the number of action points you get, you spend a point to do this. You mm-hmm. can spend a point to take a character, spend a point to wipe all the characters away, or spend points to move a character from your storehouse to a building. A building can have up to one, two, or three levels. And if you put a character in the second level, it costs you two action points but only one action point to go into the first level. Mm-hmm. So what, when we're talking about, uh, like, and for example, with the king action, however many action points you get is how many spaces you're going to move along that track. And it's, and it's inverse to what the die that you just picked. You picked a six die, you only get one action point. You pick a one die, which gives you one resource, and, but you get six action points to spend. So you get to have to decide how you want to split. Do you want a bunch of resources? Do you want a bunch of actions or a mixture of both? Which also brings up another point as far as when it's your turn is you have to look at how many dice are in a certain area that you are in the actions to say, okay, is that by the time it gets back around to me, am I possibly going to take that? So I take one that has an area that has less die in it Mm -hmm. because you need to begin planning out for those three rounds inside that planning, planning. That's where we're going to have a negative part about this discussion. There's not much planning. You need to always have a plan A, B, and C. Well, that okay, okay, A, B, and C. Yeah, you can't rely on plan A. No. In a four-player game, plan A is probably going to be out the window. Well, unless there's a lot of dice in the area you need, and you need to concentrate in that area, or you want to adjust because you need to be thinking that plan will allow you to go to scoring later. Unless there's a certain color die you want from that area, and there's only one in there. Which we ran into a few times because, remember, not all the dice come out of the bag. Mm-hmm. So you're not going to see all the re- types of resources every turn. And there was like uh, one round, we only had like two of one resource that entire round. So all of a sudden, that was a scarce resource everybody was going after. Mm-hmm. But, but what difference does it make what resource you got? That's, you know, why do you care about the wool and the stone? Because they're specific to certain things you can do on the board. Yes. Or fulfill the contracts or fulfill other requirements that you may need. I mean, uh, to this point, I'm thinking about in this, as we're talking about it, screw all this action stuff. The meat of this is on your turn, you're picking a dice to get resources and get action points. And between the architect action, the character action, the merchant action, the contract action, the king action, and the joker action, you're trying to accomplish things that will allow you to get victory points to win the game. 
Well, I mean, that's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying about Euros. The meat of the Euro is generic at this point. I believe it's the action selection mechanic that's really cool. Okay, I agree. I also found it very interesting that on the merchant action, if you're in a city, you have to put a house. And all this is part of the scoring that you're having to figure out. Certain in-game scoring may dictate needing a house somewhere. Okay, so the board has a map. And we talked about there's a there's a map on the board and you're able to move one of two pieces around that board. Each of you have a merchant token and an architect token. So when you select the merchant action, you're going to get action points that can be spent to move a merchant one location. It can be spent to place a house in an open spot at a city. You start out with two unlocked houses and uh, you could put that in spot, which is going to be important because we'll talk about it in a second. Or you could take a bonus tile from the location and put it into your storehouse. And Tony, the big thing we found about the storehouse, your storehouse only has four slots. Mm -hmm. Said that. Mm -hmm. Very limited. So you got to, when you get something in the storehouse, you better use it or get it resolved pretty quick because you can't discard anything from your storehouse. If you got no open slots, you can't take it. When it refers to the map, the architect action, you can spend action points to move an architect from location to location. You can spend an action point to place a pillar that you have, that you've unlocked from your board uh, into an open spot in a city. And you can take a bonus tile, spend an action points to also take a bonus tile from a location. So there's two ways to take bonus tiles from a location, one with an architect action, one with a merchant action. And see, to me, the actions are super simple. The contract right below the characters is a line of contracts that you can take, but they have varying costs, anywhere from one contract point up to three contract points. And when you take one, they they slide to the to the right, making them easier to get over time. And you'll take a contract and you can also put that into your um, storehouse, but you can also spend contract action points to trade in one resource for any other resource. And the first time you get it, you, you get a bonus resource. Those actions are very straightforward. That's not where the AP comes in on this game. It's those things that you put into your storehouse, your characters, your crest, your contracts that really can stretch out a person's turn because they're doing all these little extra free actions that cost no action points whatsoever. No action point, but you've got to have the resources. Right. So contracts require five wool, three iron, and you'll get victory points. It's characters. Like you said, spend character actions to put a person in the house, and each house can only have a have the same character type, like yeah. a, a lady character. And if it's a, a level one house, only one lady can go in there, and no other house can have that same lady. She mm-hmm. only is occupying that house. And when you fill up a house, you unlock that house from your your tableau, and it goes up, and then you can later use it in your merchant action to place out on the board. Now y'all see where this is going. Oh, by the way, guess what? When you place a character into one of the spaces in the upper left-hand corner, you get a bonus action. There's a little bonus, a, a bonus that you get for placing that character onto the board. Or you will get additional resources. Mm-hmm. So you got to kind of time that. Oh, guess what? If you, if you get your house filled up and you get a crest for that house and a crest costs food, you can claim a crest from uh, using a character action or a contract action. You put a crest in a full house. Then you have a, depending on the size of the house, one, two, or three, you have a token that you could put out on the board that gives you bonus action points 
that's associated with a particular character that's in that house. Mm-hmm. Every character has a certain action associated with it. So like, like the lady you're talking about, maybe her action was architect and I, it was in a building with two, uh, with two slots. So you get a plus two to the board. And every time you take an architect action, you get plus two action points, which I found to be one of the hardest things to do. Yes. I don't think I did it once the entire game. I think I only got one bonus tile up there on the, on the wheel. So, so those are all the actions of those actions. You know, you kind of sometimes rank things and say, okay, this is probably the most important action. I want to take additional actions in. Phew. Y- y'all see where this is going, right? And so, oh, by the way, another free action. You remember I talked about putting a pillar out on the board? Well, guess what? For free at any time, you can spend stone at whatever location that you have a pillar in order to help build a building there. And there's going to be a, there's a random token put around at each spot that tells you, Hey, if you spend four stone at this location, you'll get X amount of victory points and help build this building. And if you're the first person to build a building there, it's going to be the most victory points and they decrease uh, over time. Mm -hmm. So it's like, okay, that's why you remember a long time ago, I mentioned the pillar. That's why you want the pillar out there. Oh, and then Tony, there's this whole thing about, you talked about houses. Why do you want a house on the board? Why? Because at the end of every round, guess what? There is a fair because at the beginning of the game, these random end round scoring objectives are put out there. And during the fair phase, if your merchant is at the location of the fair, which is going to be a city or your house is there, you get to participate in the fair and get bonus scoring depending on whatever the condition is for that round. Like it could be, okay, count the number of pillars on the board. You get that times number of X victory points sort of deal. Now, keep in mind at these towns where these fairs are being held, only most of them only have a limited amount of places that can have a home. So if you want to be included in that scoring during that round and somebody already has a home there, you better have your merchant there. So you better be planning on how to move your merchant over there, which costs you action points to get there. Or you can bypass it depending on what the condition is that is randomly put out on the board for you to figure out. So you need to be planning all of that. All that is going into everything you're doing. You are trying to plan ahead, not just that first round, not that second round of the scoring. You've got to be thinking throughout the whole thing. And you need to understand the scoring tokens, which for me was a big failure. But that's okay. I'm not bitter. (laughs) Parentheses are key in math, people. Uh, okay, I'll give you that, Tony. Uh, they didn't have parentheses around some numbers for multiplication and addition, and Tony applied the parentheses correctly, I might add, mm-hmm. but it's not the way they intended it to be. That's I did it by the order of operations that we were all taught in school. You certainly did, mm-hmm. and unfortunately, it was not the way I totally understand that. So, y'all, that's, that's what we're saying. The actions are very, very simple on your turn. That's not the thing that makes this game a head scratcher. It's how do you take all these other free actions of all these things that you can unlock over the course of your turn that's just crazy. The combos, Tony, that you can do are just outrageous, right? I mean, sheesh. I mean, when you start resolving contracts uh, from your board and putting out crests that unlock houses and then you get the extra bonus actions you can put up on the wheel. And there are some bonus tokens, Tony, that just give you like, hey, uh, you have a couple extra action points to spend on this turn on a different action mm-hmm. if you want to. 
Oh, I didn't even mention this. There are some places in the on the map in the cities when you go there and maybe you build a house and it gives you a bonus. It's like, oh, you built a house here. Well, then why don't you go take the extra bonus actions on each of the characters in one of your houses that's already out on the board? It's insane. So other than the dice, though, I think a lot of times after a person selects a dice, then the game becomes, and this is something about this game I'm going to knock on it is, then it becomes a solitary game. Mm-hmm. Except mm-hmm. for if, if they're taking the action. The only time that I think that you have to wait is if they're taking the action that you also want to take after them, that you need to see how they take the characters or do the contracts and have to refill the contracts or are they moving the merchant and you're planning to move the merchant and you're near them and they may be going to an area where you want to build a house. So that may make you want to adjust. Now, one thing from this game, we talked about the additional actions. So at the end phase, there's some cleanup. Don't want to bore you with that. But one thing that is key, the action wheel rotates clockwise one whatever we're going to call it, sex, yeah. whatever, whatever. It rotates one. So the actions and resource numbers adjust. So on the board, it's got it the It rotates, very, is it 30 degrees? Uh, six, uh, 60 six, degrees. Six rotates divide, 60, 60 degrees. degrees. Mm-hmm. Yep. There you go. There you go. Look at you, six into 360. You, I love Remember the unit, unit circle, baby. That was pi over something. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> And so, so on the board though, the actions are set. It's the action wheel that spins to determine which, how many actions you're going to get and how many resources. So you need to be thinking ahead of time that, oh my heavens, the architect action is going to have the wheel spin next. And it's only going to have the six die with one action. But Mm -hmm. this scoring round is all about columns on a board. Oh my heavens. You better be thinking about that. That's where these houses come into play where you may want to go ahead and think, okay, I need to collect characters that allow me to take additional actions and build that character house so that I can then get the action out there for that and plan far enough ahead. Do I have enough time to get that additional actions on the board? All this is going through your head. Or if you're like me, you're like, just hurry up and play. It became solitary for me. I I will admit that. So here's the thing. I, I really enjoyed my time playing this game. When it was my turn, I was having a ball. I was having a ball, getting some, oh, action. Oh, by the way, they also give you these tokens. Uh, you're supposed to collect tokens from the number of actions that you have. Okay, this is brilliant. I'm going to interrupt you. This was brilliant. Don't ignore that. Take Pick up those tokens and put them in your hand and spend them as you take your actions. Brilliant. Because you will forget. And you will forget because... You may spend an action point and then all of a sudden start using some uh, pieces in your storehouse to do a bunch of extra stuff. And then you may forget how many actions that you spent. So that little simple of take the number, these number of tokens that represent the number of actions you have, do it. Don't skip it. Don't think, oh, I'll remember. Mm-mm. Just trust us on that. It also helps you in your planning. It helps you in your planning. I need this amount and this, this. Because like I said, when it was my turn, it was so sneaking and rewarding to get my resources and start spending my actions and comboing, man. I can start maybe comboing where, oh, I can move this person over here. And because I moved this person over here, they gave me a bonus action. I can claim that bonus tile. I can now spend that bonus tile and do this. That was fun. In a four-player game, when it's not your turn, 
It's uh, bathroom time. Mm-hmm. It's Brookie is filling up your tea time. Mm-hmm. And it, that's just, but there's a lot of games like this. But Tony, you said you need to plan ahead. It, after it's my turn, the chance of my die being there the next turn, I just can't count on it at that point. No, you can't count on it, but you still need to come up with, all right, how am I going to achieve the objective of the victory points based yeah. on the action wheel? And yes, you're right. There may be a number of dice, and this happened to me, that is too limited to what you want to accomplish. Now you've got to rethink what you were going to accomplish during that round. Yeah, I agree. And, and luckily, luckily, you may spend two gold to adjust a die number so that it is one less or one more, and it does roll over. A six becomes a one, and one becomes a six. And mm. then you move it to that action, and you're able to take it. So if someone does suddenly deplete that action, and there's dice on either side, as long as you have two gold, you can then move that dice up there. It may not be the resources you need to complete the actions, like you needed stone to complete an architect to help you build whatever, because you've finally moved your architect in there to build a freaking column. Now you want to help that church out, but you can't. Because you don't have enough resources because you had to take, couldn't get this. Oh, <laughs> there were a few times in this game. I think a couple times I went right before Bert and I was taking the exact die that he wanted. And then it, it you know, his turn kind of came to a grind. It came to a halt. Then he's trying to decide well, which direction is the best way to go at that point. I think when we were, how long did this game take us? Forever. Yes. It, forever. Took about, it, 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 it took about three hours and the box says, 60 to 100 minutes at four player i i don't mm-hmm. see how you're under two hours y'all i don't because really good players are kind of come up with some really clever ways to make their turn last several minutes because they've built in all these really cool combos i, I really believe the better players will make this game last even longer well the combos come in if you have the right character tiles contract tiles or bonus tiles out in the city that you're able to get to Yes, yeah, but I'm it, saying the really good players are probably going to be able to recognize that and take advantage of that over the course of the game. Mm-hmm. There, we ignored London. We ignored the city of London. Huh. Yeah, which was a lot of points, and all of us just kind of... Because it was off the beaten path, and if you went there, you had to come back off away. You had to, you had to cross the English Channel to get over there. Well, <laughs> do you, because the scoring tiles meant that we had to go out and we had to move away from London. We had to go That's in true. these areas. So the, going up to London was not going to be, benefit anybody unless you know you happened to be there, unless your merchant had to be there. If you did that, then you were going to forego scoring some points later. Yeah. Is there AP? There can be. I think on my side, it wasn't so much the AP. It was just, all right, as long as the dice wasn't gone, I knew what I was going to do. I knew I had a plan and where I was going to be to achieve those victory points. I think for me, for this game, we talked about it afterwards. I think three players, the sweet spot. Mm-hmm. I think that your turns are so rewarding that you want to hurry up and get back to your turn so you can take it. Everybody feels that way. So the more turns you have to sit through before it gets to your turn, it felt kind of long. Mm-hmm. I, I have a love hate. Okay. Because of how long it took to get to my turn, and you know me, I don't like sitting around. And and honestly, there's nothing. I know you keep saying the plan. I understand, but once you've got that plan, there's really nothing you can do at right. that point. I had right. my plan, but now I'm just sitting there. I'm right. I, right. I, I began to disengage. Yes. 
But I think now after the after the play, and if we were to get more times on it, I mean, if we were to play this every week, I think this game would fly by. Do you really? I and I don't know because it is is an is it made to be like an engine builder, almost. I don't. I think the dice mechanic keeps it from being an engine builder. I, I well maybe, but to me, it's the tiles that you get in your storehouse, and those free actions is what can extend your turn during a game. I will give you that extending my turn, making that happen. But there's going to be other ways because it all comes down to scoring. And I think as you get better at how to manipulate that scoring, which hats off for that scoring, that never having the same type of scoring from game to game, possibly it's a, it's a, you can't. Oh, the, the score, uh, the, the, the fair scoring. round. At yeah. The end, yeah. Yeah. Uh, in game scoring is really fast. Uh, you've got this one in game scoring and it's like, you get one point for every four resources. I, that's when you resolve at the end of the game is pretty quick. Mm-hmm. I do like the round around scoring, the variability in that very cool. The king action, having to uh, what I call feed your people. It means you really need to pay attention to it or just realize you're going to suck up minus 10 points every single round. If you're okay with that, then no. don't spend any mm-hmm. actions on the king action. You're not okay with that. Well, no. except that Bert and I, who kind of ignored the king action, came in first and second. But not by much. No, but I took minus 10. I never had positive points except maybe one time, one point. I, I never had positive points. I was always floating around the positive negative zero. Okay. At least it didn't hurt you too bad. And then Mark went the other way. He really focused on that and tried to run his token up there to try to get 10 to 15 points per round. Right. 45 points, and he ignored the map, which is where you do all the scoring. Yep. Right. It's a balance between those. And I think from my standpoint, understanding the end game or the round scoring would have helped me like, Oh, the house plus cot. If you have a house with a column that counts as scoring. Not if you have a ha- number of houses and number of columns there. Oh, son of a gun. I read that one wrong. Oh, wait, I need, Oh, fine. Now in this T series of games, I'm going to compare. I'm only going to talk about uh, Daniel Tassini's games that he's been involved in. Teotihuacan, uh, Tekanu, Tabanusi, hold on, I gotta look up my pronunciation chart again. What was that? Tilatum? Tilatum. <laughs> I've already forgotten. Looking at those, where do I rank this? I, I was not blown away about Teotihuacan. So that's that's my least favorite of the four. I love Tekanu. Absolutely love it. I think it also has a very clever dice action selection mechanic. That's still my number one. So I can't decide on this one, Tony, between Tabanusi and Tilatum on which one of those I like better. Okay. So for me, it was uh, Tabanusi. I like that. You like Tabanusi the best. Okay. Because Tekanun is the one with the pyramid, right? Uh, yes. Or oh. not not the pyramid. The Well, the obelisk. The obelisk. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that yeah. one was not one of my favorites. Um, okay. Gotcha. But I really enjoyed Tabanusi. Okay. Um, so this one um, would probably, as far as play, I would put it below Tabanusi. So number two. Number two. Mm-hmm. Out of those four. Mm-hmm. So that's pretty good then. That's pretty good. And uh, again, it's the actual selection I think is very clever. The actions are very simple that you do on each one of those things. It's just, it's one of those things I still can't believe that somebody designed a game like this to where everything is so interwoven together so well 
to be able to create these really sweet combos. You're taking one action over here, but it's enabling it's ac another action over here. I don't know. It's just it's just really cool and really well designed, and he he just makes some of the mm -hmm. best games when it comes to heavier euros. And the reason why I think Tabanusi is above is because how I became disengaged on my not having my turn, you know, where I just kind of sat mm -hmm. there. And I think that's that's the only knock I really have for the game. But, you know, that's that's me. That's Because yeah. that's, that's, I get disengaged in every game. But And that's a lot of Euros, <laughs> though, right? Yeah. And see, I mean, there are a lot of Euros. If there's not player interaction, uh, it's easy to get dis disengaged. So... Tila Tomb, I, I do think it's going to be very popular. How it's going to compare to the others, I'd be really curious to see what others think. It's going to be uh, debuting at Essen, mm -hmm. uh, which will be which just happened when this episode released. I'm very uh, curious to see what others think of it. If you like the T-Series of games and you like this designer, I, I definitely think it's worth checking out for sure. It's... October, which means fall, which means Halloween, which means decorations. And for those of you who haven't checked out the Dyson Names Twitter feed, or maybe it was on Instagram, Marty posted the 300 boxes that he was pulling out to decorate his house. <laughs> Part of those decorations are the orange and black. Well, if you need a black type organist, or dice or card keeper that is ultra pros color of the month why not show up at your halloween party or for us the boobacue and show those black rpg dice i, I mean why not it goes why with not y'all just don't do it just do, do it. it do it just do it is this where the shia labeouf thing yes okay <laughs> ultra pro has all your needs as you get ready for the Halloween season, they got you red covered on RPG dice. It's the holiday season. And then you've got the various card protectors. I know Marty and I um, are looking at using various card protectors for the games because of black borders. We need to make sure that we protect those and there's not nicks and dings in it. I also know that we need some keepers that will go out and, you know, be able to one of the biggest things was when we were playing Netrunner mm -hmm. to be able to sort those out so I could quickly build my decks. I'm excited to get Netrunner back on the table, so I may need to be picking up another keeper over at Ultra Pro. So head over to ultrapro.com for all of your gaming accessory needs. They have games as well as memorabilia, stuff to protect, signed baseballs, footballs, whatever you need, ultrapro.com. Five minute initiative begins in three, two, one. Now, I know this is a five minute initiative, but before I start the five minute clock, Tony, I just want to say that every so often we go back and revisit Nirishima Hex. And every time we go back and play that game, it just reinvigorates my love for that game. To me, that is still one of the best two player games on the market today. I love that game. I'm, I got it on my Android. I got it on my iPad. I got it in physical copy. You know, I just wish I would play it more because you're right. I, I'm the same way to and forget some of the tactics and strategies of those armies. You got to relearn those, unfortunately. You, you know what? Now that we both got it on the Android and the Beast just came out, mm -hmm. we need to set up just a weekly game of that. 
You mean like, you mean on the device? Yeah, on the device. Just keep going back and forth. Yep. Oh, that's fine. Yeah, yeah. I, and here's the thing. If y'all never played it, I mean, this is a solid two-player. I guess it's kind of abstract. It's a tiling game, essentially, right? Each of yeah. you have have a, a collection of tiles. You draw three, discard one, play two. But to me, the most interesting thing about this, and it's always been this way, is the combat resolution. It has the most unique combat resolution I've ever seen. No dice involved. You just step through the the highest initiative to the lowest initiative and deal a bunch of damage and wipe some units off the board. Person's base who survives the longest or has the most health points in is the winner. Yep. But, but amazing but, game. Yeah, and we all the strategies and more importantly is you need to understand because of all the armies the various strategies. Now, you ready to hit the clock? This clock has started. Clock has started. They've come out with a new one pirates let's go ahead and get it done get it out of the way arg okay <laughs> that's fair <laughs> so the probably the most unique thing about pirates is that the base which normally you place inside the hexagon it's all about the base it's all about the base this one doesn't go inside the hexagon it floats around on the outside mm-hmm when you first played that what'd you think marty did what, what did did it kind of change your thought process Oh, totally. The fact that now that you have tiles that you could, not even just the base, but there are tiles that plays outside the normal game space, totally changes the game. It like expands the play area and theme of the, the theme of the game is really cool though. Yes. The, the fact that uh, you had these units to have, they, some of the units have something called drift. And so they have to go right outside the play area. And after a combat, they automatically move one space clockwise so they're drifting around the board so that what's wild is the pirates hq is constantly moving and you got to chase after it after a battle after every battle after a battle yeah everything on the out, outer rim drops or moves sorry moves but you still have some units that go into the hex so as the person who's playing against you they need to be positioning their pieces so that they know that when a battle occurs where you're going to be next Mm-hmm. I will say this, tip one, and this is from Ignasi, who from Joanna Kajanka, I hope I did that right, Ignasi can yell at me later, tip one, there are six egg spaces on the board are crucial, but you're using- Six, put, you said six, hex. Six edge spaces. E- the, e- edge spaces, edge. Mm-hmm. okay, got it, yeah. Put your units there so the enemy cannot do that. This will protect your HQ when it arrives next to those spaces. So what I just said, you know, where you've got to plan that- Here's a tip to help protect your HQ as it's moving around the board. Mm. Now, we all know the strategy for me as the other players. I'm going to put my HQ in the center because you're, you can't hit me there. And here's the reason why, y'all. There are certain spots around the outside of the, the hex area mm-hmm. that you cannot place a unit. And it happens to be the spaces that, that will line up and go through the center so that means there's no ranged units on the edge that the pirates can use to actually hit the center space. So that's why you have to rely on the other units that go inside the normal play area to actually do damage to it. Then you have some nets in the pirates that come out. And tip number two, always put one sailing unit adjacent to your HQ. Make it sail along. Guard against anybody close to your HQ. Well, think about it. If you put an aircraft carrier out there, you're going to have a battleship. So here's the same thing. They're trying to protect your units. Got to be very careful when you think about the placement of these units and what the other person's doing. Now I'll play Moloch trying to do range fight against you to try to hit you as you were moving along. 
I wasn't as successful as I thought I would be. It was a very close game. Yeah, very I mean, close. we came within one or two at, at the very end. I happened to get a couple units in there that could actually do some damage to your to uh to your HQ. And they introduced a new uh what's the thing with the hook? Well, you had the harpoon. Are you the harpoon. Because you can uh you can grab somebody and pull them one torch. Get over here, you know, like Mortal Kombat. Yeah. Okay. And uh and then deal, deal like punch them in the face with the melee damage, which I thought was really cool. And then you also had one tile, I think if I remember on every turn you could initiate battle. Yeah, that's unique. Yeah, so there are structures that you can put on the board. There's action tiles, units, and structures. There's one structure that once per round, I can actually start a combat. The pirates have more ways to uh, initiate combat, but I found, Tony, that they're all very low initiative. Mm-hmm. So uh, if you go against the pirates, try to get out guys, uh, another faction that has high initiative so that you can strike them first. Tip number three in the final tip. See, look at Ignacy. He's paying for this right now. I like this. <laughs> no, he, he doesn't pay for reviews. This is true. I'm sorry. Okay. I did not mean that. Okay. All your range units on land must shoot at the enemy HQ. Don't hesitate. Get all you can against the enemy HQ. He's right. Because of that low initiative, you've got to be striking fast. So I, I really enjoyed playing against the pirates because it made me think beyond just laying down tiles. I needed to make sure that I was always thinking ahead of where you're going to be, especially when you got that battle out there. You were a constant moving target. And I was like, man, how can I net you? How can I stop you? Mm-hmm. And the bomb, the bomb I had couldn't hit you because it doesn't hit the outer edge. So I don't know if all the armies that way, but there are some armies that you can drop the bomb on you. And you need to read you it. Drop the me. bomb on me. Gap band. You know, I think I do these just to make you do that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> but it doesn't hit the outer edge. So don't think you can sit there and bomb the outer edge. No, you can need to read those pieces. I've played against the pirates twice. I have not played them. So oh, I've I'm sorry. I should let you play the other day then. No, 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 no. I wanted you to experience that so we could talk about it. I've played against uh, against Alex, his son, and now you. I can't wait to get an opportunity to play as the pirates and then also have to sit there and think, how am I going to hit your HQ? Yeah. At first, I didn't think I'd like this faction because of the drift, but uh, the more times I've, the, the two times I've seen it, I really like how it comes into play and the new depth of strategy you have to um, deploy they do an amazing job of keep introducing new factions pirates has just now come out from portal games i really like it and like i said y'all if you've never played nirishima hex it is available on app on uh, android and ios so at least spend a few bucks if you just want to check it out but it's really fun to play physically also you know what it's not available on marty that would be the Nintendo Switch, which we keep bugging Ignacy about. <laughs> and he hates it when I bring that up because every time <laughs> we bring up something, he always just says he hates dealing with developers. <laughs> so, but yeah, on the Switch would be really cool. Or by, or on Steam, PC would be cool too. Nirishima Hex, if you have a dedicated two players, recommend it. There's a ton of armies out there. You, should, you might even be able to pick up some at fairly cheap prices in your local game store. Get the base. It's a lot of fun. Marty and I have always enjoyed these tile laying games. We've talked about many of them. So there you go. Pirates Nirishima Hex from Portal Game. Five minute initiative is complete. (laughs) 
Hey y'all, Portal Games had a big show at Essen with three big releases. Eleven, which was a Kickstarter earlier. No, Marty, it was not a Kickstarter. It was a crowdfunding sourced. Okay, it was a crowdfunding game. Is that how we're gonna say this? Man, it's too Kickstarter has become synonymous now, Tony. It's it's like Kleenex. It is. It is like Linux. Anyway, so this game is now out and available. I cannot wait to play this, Tony. You're not playing soccer and or football. Instead, you're managing a team, so I can't wait to try that out. Wrath of the Lighthouse, which is a solo game for Empires of the North. Yay! Tony, you, you got to play the two-player game Basilica. I cannot wait to play that with you. And you just heard about Pirates, the brand new expansion for Nurishima Hex. So you'll make sure and go get that copy. What a blast that was. A lot of hot games coming out from Portal. This is going to round out their releases for the rest of the year. To find out more, head over to shopportalgames.com. Is it shopportalgamesus.com? I'm staring at it right now. Please don't do this again. Shopportalgames.com. <laughs> Tony, when it comes to video games, do you focus on one game at a time or can you juggle multiple games to play during the same time? You know the answer. I don't know why you're asking me this. But the audience doesn't know the answer. Well, if they've been listening to the podcast, they know I've been playing. I I put in 200 plus hours in Breath of the Wild. I've put over 200 plus hours on AC Valhalla. So I always focus on one. And do you know why that is? Why is that? Because I'm lazy in the, mm-hmm. in the sense that, well, uh, I, I, three reasons, three reasons. Number one, I know where the buttons are doing. I've learned the buttons. I don't want to have to go to another game and learn different button pushes. Okay. All right. Number two, if I quit a game to go to another game, I'll forget what I've been doing and I'll never pick it back up. Okay. It's kind of like I was playing Skyrim. I quit. There's no end in Skyrim. So I'm now at the point, uh, do I want to wa- ride the wagon again or do I want to try to remember where I was? Ride the wagon. You know? Everybody who plays Skyrim know exactly what you're talking about. Right. So do I want to do that again? So, you know, and the final thing is, if it's on the PlayStation, do I really want to eject the disc, put another disc in? I'm just, is it not easier for just for me to go up, press the on button and just start playing? And it's a sense of accomplishment. And so many times we've played video games. I never, other than lost Vikings, wanting to have that sense of accomplishment. I completed this, that I did not waste my money and I got all my money because I finished it. So long answer, I'm going to play a game and not jump between games. Well, I missed that. You say you don't need that. No, accomplishment. I do. I do, need, do that. need that. I do need that. That's funny that you said that. Cause I had lost that. And in the past year I got it again. Which is why I'm kind of bringing this up. It was got to the point like I finished Metroid Dread. I jumped to a, a triangle strategy. It's like, I'm going to play this till I finish it. Okay, I did that. Then I got uh, 13 Sentinels. I'm going to play this even though I wasn't enjoying it at the end. I'm going to play this till I finish it. Did that. Then I got Live Alive and I was really enjoying it until the very end. I got tired and there's multiple endings. Mm. And I did the, the the worst ending of it all. Oh, that's awesome. Uh, well, and then somebody said, well, you got a save point. Go back and do the best ending, but it takes about three hours to finish. It's like, you know what? I'm okay with the world being blown away. <laughs> I saw I saw an ending. <laughs> it wasn't the right ending. So I didn't fully complete. I just didn't want to do it anymore. So here's the thing. 
So I just started playing uh, Dio Field Chronicle from Square Enix. It is a uh, tile, uh, tile, wow, a strategy game and uh, a tactical strategy game. And I'm really enjoying it, but I pre-ordered Bayonetta 1 and I'm getting it on Tuesday. Mm. Now I'm really torn because I want to play it, but I, for all the same reasons you just said, I better not break the shrink on Bayonetta or I'll never come back to Diefield Chronicle, but I really want to play. Sounds like a dilemma. It is a dilemma. And then somebody said, well, the games, Marty, are so different that you could probably jump back and forth between. But then it's like, I'm like you, Tony. I'm old. I'm not going to remember the button comp, uh, buttons. I'll be playing Bayonetta and all of a sudden press the button for like, you know, cancel. And then next thing I know, I'm jumping into an, a, a combat or something. Right. So for like Assassin's Creed um, Valhalla is different than Assassin's Creed Origins, which I have, which I put in my machine to start up because I'd get something special for mm-hmm. having two Assassin's Creed games registered at Ubisoft that I've played, okay? The button combination was different than the two, and I was getting very angry with it. I mean, I made it through the, the intro to it, but I was like, okay, this sucks. I'm going to finish Valhalla. And when I'm done, I'm going to jump over to God of War so that if God of War Ragnarok comes out, if I really like the God of War game, then I may pick that up. On the other side of it, I've decided the Switch is now going to be for fast-playing games, Mario Kart. I'm going to go away from the, the long games over there. So no Breath of the Wild 2 for you, or no, it's, it's actually has a name now. Whatever. Name just let me. Maybe. It, it, okay. it, it depends. I know I have. I also have enough on that game system now where if I want to play one, I can. I can wait for Breath of the Wild to 2 for a long time based on the number of games I have on my Switch. I got I got all the Treen, Trine Class, mm-hmm. all, all of those. I got all of those. So I start one of those. I could go through all four of them. I can't, you know, I'll be good forever. You should jump to a JRPG that you have on there. Uh, which one was that? Didn't even, you, uh, Skies of Arcadia, or didn't you get something like that? Something like that. Oh, mm-hmm. the turtles are coming. Uh, yes. Shredder's Revenge. Yep. I'd like to see it eventually. Well, it's just not out yet. They told me it's getting ready to ship. This might be the only time I buy from Limited Run. No, that's that's what they do. You pre-order, then it's months before you get it. That's just their stick. And I understand it, and it's not sticking to me. It'll be sticking next year when you realize the value of that thing has gone up. Do I can I break the case and oh, and actually play the game? Yes. Okay, but it's, it's that's what I don't understand about these games. They're all digital. I can no, I, no the the what what you've ordered is not digital. When Shredder's Revenge came out, it was digital. But what yes. I ordered is hard copy. So why Correct. is that why is that going to go up in price? Because it's a physical copy that nobody that they won't make anymore. But I can buy it digitally. That's not the point. It's the collector's item. What happens? Okay, here's what's happening with older systems. They shut down the stores and you can't buy these games anymore. Oh, look, I still have the physical copy, so if I still have a Switch, I can still play it. Even though the Switch store shut down years ago, I still got an old Switch lying around I can play. And that's what people are doing with old PS2s, GameCubes, etc. I understand your point there, but for someone like me, I don't have to worry about these things. Because I know that for me, that old system, the Xbox 360 that I have sitting in a box upstairs, I don't ever have to worry about it 
coming out of that box again. Cause I don't, I do not have the HDMI version. So I know that all my TVs can no longer accept the signal coming in from the Xbox. I have to figure out some way to make that work. They have converters. If you really, really want to play. Exactly. They have, I have Skyrim on that too. I could ride the card on that one. Oh, I guess you saw that the Skyrim anniversary edition came out on the switch and they're charging $70 for it. Come to find out, Microsoft was the one behind that. That's the first ever $70 game on the Switch, and that's ridiculous for a game that's 11 years old. I would not do that. No. Nope. I I, so Bert was sitting there trying to talk me into buying the upgrade because you can just buy the upgrade. Yeah. For $20. What's in the upgrade? I haven't investigated. It's maybe some more of, more of the content. I don't know. Maybe prettier graphics. I have no earthly idea. But then I think, once again, why do I need that? I'll never finish it because no, people say you never finish Skyrim. True. You can take as many arrows to the knees as you want, but you will <laughs> never finish it. I mean, video, uh, there was one that I saw the other day and we're, and we're dragging this out, but it, it was kind of curious. I was watching some YouTube videos about Gotham Knights. Yeah. That looked interesting to me. Yeah, it does look interesting. Batman's dead, but yeah. That happens. We'll see how... Uh... We'll see how, how it gets rated, not well, rated, I, uh, how, how the reviews are for it. Yeah, I know you'll watch Metacritic, but I, was, I found it interesting when watching someone play. Now, is that going to be a Switch game or only a PlayStation, uh, Xbox One, whatever? I think it's just those, the more powerful consoles. The more powerful, because I found it interesting on the tech level trees, how you had to advance to do certain ones and how each character you can switch between the characters and you need to, in order to solve stuff. Mm. So I was like, okay, that's interesting. That's one that I would have to play constantly because I would forget, Oh, why am I playing Nightwing over? Um, Oh God, uh, Batgirl. You know, why yep. is, why did I stop here? I need to remember that. Mm. So it sounds like a steam decks in your future. No, I'm too, I can't, it's so sad. I just can't see the screens. <laughs> I, nothing makes me feel older than putting on readers to play my Switch, okay? Uh, and think about this. We used to love the clamshell Game Boy Advance mm. with that little itty bitty tiny screen. But I could see those, I guess I could, I would have to crank one no, up. You could. Yeah, you, you could. Okay. That's how we play Pokemon. I know, and there's a new Pokemon coming out. Yep. Don't know if I want to do that. I probably will not be day one for me. Scarlet Violet. Yep. Scarlet Violet. No, definitely not day one. I, I'm still debating Elden Ring. I am too. And everybody says I got to play it. So I feel like I need to experience it. Even though I'm not a Demon Souls or Souls game type guy. Uh, friends have said, this is the game you need to play if you're not a Souls person. Mm-hmm. So I guess I need to try it. I was watching Rebecca's uh, fiance playing Dante's Inferno. Yes. Wow. That's cool. Yeah. Good game. And he was playing it on the middle level. Okay. And for one hour I was having to do some other stuff and they were out doing something, but he and I were there and I had, I had to work and he sat there for an hour trying to defeat one level. And I was like, no, thank you. That's how it goes, man. I don't know. I, so I looked for it on the PlayStation, couldn't find it. I got a game on the PlayStation I need to crank up that he said I would really enjoy. I need to do that. Oh, there, there's not enough time. There's not enough time. But you know what there is time for? Uh, pee break? 
You know what the best thing about asparagus and beets are? <laughs> I tried to set you up, but you didn't. You didn't do it. I didn't. I didn't. I know where you were going to. Yeah. Uh, but you know what? The, the best thing about asparagus and beets are is you. Okay. Sure what's the best thing about asparagus and beets? You know your plumbing's working. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Wow, I'm sorry, y'all. I tried to get us out of that uh, before he mentioned it, so I apologize. And then that, you're just going to keep rolling dice. Oh, my Lord. And taking names. Hey, y'all. Thanks for listening. Hey, go subscribe to our YouTube channel. We're putting out our monthly video casts. Follow us on Twitter at Dyson Names, Instagram Dyson Names, and you can support the show over at buymeamoonpie.com. So, Marty, in light of Halloween coming up, do you know why it's so cheap to throw a party at a haunted house? Why is that? Because the ghosts bring all the booze. Ah, so we're resorting to dad jokes now. For the next 200 episodes, I just found a page with 200 dad jokes. Oh, Lord. I'm sorry, y'all.